Hey, coming up on the show, we've got Bobby and Wayne from the band Saliva, and we're going to talk about their new album, uh, new tour dates that they have coming up, their thoughts on Spotify and the business side, their thoughts on the Seattle bands and the Pearl Jam stuff that's going on right now, and so much more. So real quick, if you could, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and the like button. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, you can also subscribe or follow the show. I would appreciate that. And that way you'll be notified of future interviews. I appreciate it. Saliva coming up next. Anyways, uh, yeah, so so wait, that's your studio, but doesn't it need to be soundproof? Because I see like the windows and stuff. Does that make a difference? Well, it's just like a room that I turned into, we turned into an office style. We don't do drums in here. This is essentially just a guitar and vocal, like a little mixed room. It's not, it's not, um, I don't really need soundproofing, you know? Okay. So then tell me about, yeah, tell me about the new album. Can you, or can you tell me anything? Can you tell me song titles or like themes or? Uh, we got some really cool stuff on this one, man. We've been working on it for a while. Um, you know, some of the songs we kind of had tossing around for a couple years. And then, uh, then there's songs that we just wrote a song 20 minutes ago, you know, (laughs) really? uh, yeah, just, just something new, you know, just, Hey, what do you think of this? Something that I was working on. And, uh, Wayne was here last time and brought in a song and you're just, just trying to figure out uh, what what to put on the record. We've got probably about 20 songs to choose from, and it just kind of turned. Uh, I think this is a good one, though. This is going to be really, really good. We, we're stoked about a lot of the songs on it. Um, this is like the, the first record that that I've been able to make and, and kind of dive into songwriting being sober. You know, I was – uh, I've been sober like three and a half years or close to three and a half years now. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So a lot of the lyrics will probably reflect that mm. um, or like, you know, battling those demons and that stuff and trying to overcome them. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a, a wild ride for sure. Wayne, you're, you're kind of, <laughs> I don't know what to have. He's got a month and a half sober. So, so. Oh, a month and a half? Oh, that, that's good. So what prompted it for both of you? Was it just getting tired of the feeling run down and stuff like that? Or was there like an incident that happened or what? For me, it was a, it was a mix of things. I think like that whole Groundhog Day, especially like when you're on tour and, you know, you play five nights a week and you get the same shit on your rider like every night. So it's like a handle of Tito's, handle of Crown, handle of Fireball, yeah. two cases of beer and eight dudes on a bus. It's like that's just not the smartest thing to get five nights. Out of the five nights? Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe one or two, but five is a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you just it it just got to a point where for me, like, hey, man, I'm going to try to not do this not doing that yeah yeah and see what happens that's a good experiment doing yeah yeah because then you start you notice that you feel differently like if you went from five nights to zero it's totally it's hard at first but then after time you actually start to feel better i would assume have more energy and uh yeah just a little more um clear-minded and uh um 
you don't feel that guilt, you know, you, you're able to like free your mind and free, free things. And, you know, live with, uh, live with your, at least this is just me speaking for me, but like mm-hmm. live, live with yourself a little more and, uh, um, not feel em- embarrassed because, you know, a lot of, t- a lot of times people get wasted. Does it ever lead to anything good? No. I mean, you always do stupid shit or whatever. And, you know, at least for me, I would do just stupid stuff that (laughs) (laughs) it's like, wow. Wayne's laughing. Is there a story there? What kind of stupid shit did you do? (laughs) I would not have done this had I been sober, you know, (laughs) just a lot of that stuff. So I guess just drinking never leads to anything positive. Right. Well, some people, uh, not myself speaking, but some people drink in moderation and they, they, you know, might have one or two and then they, they can just like do that. And that's like, and that's like, so they say like, you can have one drink a day, but then it's kind of like, well, what's the point of that? Like, why do you want to drink one drink? And then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that, and that was the thing, like, well, why don't you just, maybe just have a drink or drink in moderation because I don't know how to do that. That always turns into other, you know, other things. It's just not, you know, I can't drink a beer yeah, or two. Right. So it's like, I've got to drink like 14 or, or, you know, I've got to have, you know, crown Royal whiskey. I just, my personality is, uh, yeah. Doing things to the extreme. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably part of your success, too, with music and stuff. So what do you do? Are you just now going all in on music? Because I know, like, the guy from Def Leppard, he would drink a lot. And then he's like, and he's like, yeah, I stopped drinking. Then I'd wake up and I'd have all this, like, time. And I wasn't hungover. And I had all this energy. I started running. And, then you know, he's, like, ripped. He's, like, in his 60s. And he's just, he's, like, got a six-pack. It's crazy. So do you, are you getting, like, into exercise Phil, now? Or? Phil Colin or whatever? Phil, Phil Colin? Def Leppard? Yeah. Has a six-pack? And he's oh, like, he's ripped. Yeah. Yeah. He does kickbox outside the bus every day. Like we've done a couple of festivals with him. Oh, okay. So he's while they're while the crew is out setting up and loading in, he's out there with his shirt off doing kickboxing by the bus. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that guy's ripped. insane. Do, are you doing something like that? Are you doing kickboxing or are you turned vegan or anything or getting into health or is it just going all in on songwriting? Um, I would say the song the songwriting is is uh is something that we definitely we've always taken that serious though you know mm-hmm. we tried to write the best songs but for me it's just been more just doing more family stuff and mm. um you know helping my wife with her business and and just uh you know just being a dad you know Wayne's a dad and I'm a yeah. dad we're all dads you know that alone is a yeah. full-time job yeah it is so, so we, um, finding more time for that now though. Yeah, for sure. And then writing songs and, and doing that. I mean, that's kind of like, that's like the fun part. Yeah. And recording and stuff. So then how do, uh, w- uh Paul and, uh, the bass player, I f- I'm spaced on his name. I know the guy from shine down. Um, uh, how did they, Brad. Uh, yes, Brad, sorry. And then are they going to be flying in to do their parts or do they do their parts and send them electronically? Brad lives in Jackson, Jacksonville. He, so he lives oh, like okay. two miles that way. <laughs> so he's been doing bass uh, at his place. And, and Paul actually has been tracking drums uh, in, in Houston. He lives in Houston. so. And then he yeah, just sends been, it to you? 
Yeah, so he's got like a really awesome electro electronic kit, and he'll just track them that way, and then he'll send us the stems, and then we'll just able to import everything in. And yeah, so. oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's so I didn't know that. So he does a lot of electronic because I know the one thing that's interesting about his drum thing is that he has the giant like really thick sticks, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what size sticks he plays. You you don't notice that? Like he has like giant like drumsticks. You never notice that? Maybe he just has little hands. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable. Um, well, yeah, that's cool. So new album, that's exciting. Is it going to be released? Obviously, it's going to be streaming, but is it going to be on uh, vinyl and CD and all that stuff too? Or yes, yeah. So that that's kind of the. Vinyl is on back order right now. We we were our whole big thing with last year was to do this every twenty years reunion. Uh, well, not reunion, but like re regroup with doing some of the songs and and the main purpose was vinyl. We wanted vinyl, and we we're like, oh yeah, you know, we placed the order in I don't know February March, and we didn't get them until November. <laughs> the vinyl. Wow. And and we we released it in May. We thought it was only going to take two or three months and no dude, it took like seven months to get those things. So you just got to have that, uh, put in the order now, even though you don't have the album. finished. Yes. So especially for vinyl, but we're actually about to release a song. We're going to release a song, uh, in a, in a few weeks, actually like early March. Okay. Okay. Well, that's and then we're going to radio after that. We're going to radio in April. What do you mean going to radio? Like you send a single to the radio to play or? You uh, you go uh, pay off all the people that have to be paid off in order for your song to do something. <laughs> and I'm just being fucking honest. I mean, that's what that's what all these fucking bands do. That sucks. You got to pay people. <laughs> yeah. Payola, is that what it's called, right? No, it's not. It's not really like that. It's not like you're you're paying radio stations off or anything. It's just. There are certain people, there are certain players like mafia, man. It's like this, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta pay the guy that knows the guy in order to get your stuff played. Wow. Okay. Is that worth it though nowadays? Cause I, I know you just got congratulations on, by the way, you have 50 million streams on Spotify. So that's pretty cool. Is it, that's kind of a bigger deal than being on the radio, isn't it? Like you get on those playlists. Yeah, the playlists are are a big deal. So that's what we're we're trying to focus on now, like moving forward with these records. Because that record that we um, had fifty million streams on, I probably saw uh, negative dollars um, hmm. because they're just that was. I, I stress. I tell this to people when people are like, "Oh my God, Spotify! Oh, they don't pay money. They don't do this." If you look at the numbers and you compare then yeah you're you're right cuz 50 million streams you should think 99 cents per stream but it just doesn't it doesn't work that way and a lot of times a lot of these bands and artists they bitch about it they sign a bad deal you sign a bad deal so you're not getting paid but the label who owns the masters are getting paid mm. so and that's the reality of all this um, is what kind of deal did you sign? Because say like click, click, boom has over a hundred million streams. These guys aren't, aren't seeing that because 
they still owe Universal. They still owe Island Island Def Jam. There's still a million in the hole on that record. Still, even to but this day, how could you be a million in the hole on that record? From spending a half a million dollars on every video you ever shot. And, yeah. Labels like to yeah. keep the bands in debt to them. Yeah. That's why even bands like Linkin Park, Three Doors Down, they sell six million, ten million records on a first record. Still not, and they're suing their labels because they're like, "Wait a second, we know there's got to be money." They're like, "No, remember when we learjetted you guys everywhere, and then we we did this, and you bought your house, and you did all this on us, and uh, you know, five hundred thousand dollar video, and then oh, it's just it all adds up, man. They keep that tab. They want it's like a bad bank loan." A really bad bank loan. Oh, we'll give you a hundred grand, but you owe us a million. A really, really bad bank loan. Yeah. Uh. With like the highest interest rate imaginable. Ever. So Spotify somehow streaming gets lumped into that because if you sign a deal, even if you said 20 years ago, you sign a deal for that record, even though Spotify didn't exist then, mm. there's verbiage in those deals and those contracts that state Basically, anything that happens that changes industry-wise and becomes another source of revenue still goes back to recouping what you owe the yeah. the label. So, um, yeah, it's, it's gotcha. a tough the way to really make money in streaming is owning the master. That's it. So what we're doing now is moving forward, just owning the masters and not doing deals with labels and just no, nothing against the labels because, you know, sometimes you need the labels to, to make money, but a lot of bands are going the more investor route, you know, to kind of invest into their own project and their own band. And they're able to see return, you know, based on just owning their master and stuff. No, that makes sense. And but guys yeah. like Neil Young or whatever. Yeah. They have the freedom to leave Spotify because they own their fucking masters. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I think he sold his music actually to, to the Blackstone company or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, what I'm getting at is it's not like, you know, such and such record label. They'd be like, fuck you. No, we're making money off this. We're yeah. Keep it on Spotify. We don't care how you feel. Yeah. So that's really what it is. Most of these artists that are leaving, it's because they have, they can. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, the, so yeah. you still need Spotify is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so I'm you're not, not. I'm not against it at all. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that you know, of, of course, it. Every band wants to make money for their their art and their craft. It's just, but it's just a music business, man. It's always been that way. But what if enough people left? Wouldn't like what if you guys all started your own streaming service and all the cool bands were on this new streaming service, and then you you charge more or something, and then you get more of the 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 cut of the money. Yeah, but that would be like you kind of go to the back of the line. It would be like me saying, "Hey, I'm gonna, I've got a new uh, cola I just started, and I'm gonna go compete with Coke and Pepsi." It's just, it's 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 kind of impossible. Really, you don't do think that. enough Even artists you would want to and you'd like to, mm. but every single vibe, everybody's on Spotify, but a very small percentage. Yeah. I thought, see, I thought more people were going to, when Neil Young uh, jumped ship and then Joni Mitchell did, I was like, oh, then out the floodgates. And I thought everybody was going to do it. But then it was just like those two or three uh, died down. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. The masters, you know, 
look at Metallica. They finally got their masters like a few years ago. They own their masters now. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Metallica. Yeah. The biggest rock band of all time, basically. Like one of them. Yeah. For sure. Finally got their masters. So then they they just own everything now. They get a hundred percent of all the royalties and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so a band like that on Spotify, it's coming in for them for sure. Yeah, because I thought it was like point zero zero three cents per stream. So I did the math, like so for fifty million streams on that would be like two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand bucks, yeah. Yeah. And that was all you said that was fifty million. That was just for one album? What's that? That's that was just one album. Yeah, that yeah. was the yeah. Love Lies and Therapy release that came out in 2016. Oh yeah. I wait, because your latest one is Ten Lives, right? Ten Lives, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one too. I liked the my favorite song was the Some Shit About Love. That was a catchy tune. Cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. You have some more songs that sound in that kind of vein for the new one too? Yeah, actually. There there's some um there's a little bit for everybody on on this record, but we got some pretty cool aggro stuff, but a, a lot more of the melodic, I would say, a lot of big melody hooks, man. And, uh, um, you know, it kind of feels fresh. Um, it has a lot of modern, like, just current cool. style, style stuff. We influence, like, some um, some industrial type stuff, some mm-hmm. some really, really cool electronic stuff as well. Do you think that's the future of rock? Cause that's what I was, I remember when I was a kid and like nine inch nails came out and I was like, Oh, this is going to be the future of rock. Like every band's going to go like this. And, and then that, that kind of music died out a little bit. I feel like it didn't really take And Now it seems like retro, like the Greta Van Fleets and stuff like that is more the, the hip new rock. A lot of bands tried to do the nails thing. And it's just, Oh, Trent Reznor is, is just, you know, is Trent. I mean, he's, there's only one. Yeah, he's, he's a, a genius. genius yeah, he's That's amazing right. for sure. Um, but I mean, he was able to do that electronic like stuff and make it sexy, but also still like the songwriting was brilliant. I mean, the yeah. those songs are great lyrics. Do you know? So right. Um, but on the, like the Greta Van Fleet and a lot of the the newer bands, the more retro stuff, I think it's just everything kind of goes, you know full circle and things become popular again. You know, the eighties style stuff start was popular again, nineties stuff. It just, um, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the next Oasis to come out. That's what, that's what I want to see. Oh yeah. I love them. I, I mean, there's some, obviously Me some, too. some drama behind that band, but, uh, they're, they're, they're very talented musicians for sure. Well, you do covers. Yeah, well, I, it's like Beatles. Then Oasis was like the Beatles. So where's the, uh, where's that next band at? You know, cause I think, um, you know, and a lot of band, a lot of times people will compare, someone will say, oh, Greta Van Fleet, they sound just, they're like a Led Zeppelin ripoff. I wouldn't say that they're, they're ripping the band off. And maybe they like that. Maybe they like Zeppelin. Maybe that's the influence. Maybe that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, every band you, you've got to have your, uh, your influences and, mm-hmm. and things that you like. You try to create your own songs and I think they should lean all in and just do like a, a tour where they do like five Zeppelin songs. I mean, I bet they could kill some of those old Zeppelin tunes. I'm uh, shocked that they don't. 
Yeah, I don't think they even. I saw them live, and I don't think they even did one Zeppelin song. I was like, you're not even gonna just do one Zeppelin song, like just for fun, like just because you can. I mean, it's like being able to play basketball if you're Michael Jordan, and you're like, no, I'm gonna go play baseball. Like, yeah, it, it's hard to, it's hard to do Zeppelin too. They could do it. I know Great White used to do some pretty cool Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they 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 do a good job too. But yeah, Greta Van Fleet, I'd I'd be curious to see what that what it could sound like because I never got to see Zeppelin. I'm too young. Never got to see who Zeppelin. I never got to see them live. Oh, Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. But you guys do some covers in your side. I know you did like uh, uh, the the cover Fleetwood Mac, the Gold Dust Woman. Are you still going to do that or do different covers? I know you've recorded some as well. We might we might actually um, when we start playing live, our next our next show first show back isn't until March. We're going to change the setup and definitely do some different stuff and add, add some things. And as far as the cover stuff, I mean, we've done a couple cool covers and we made that do a medley or something, Mm. you know, to where we can do kind of incorporate both together. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Cause you'd have like the Michael Jackson one and, uh, spoon man and, uh, the Eminem one, which was really interesting. Uh, Yeah. It's cool. It'd be fun to hear those live. Even like you said, just a snippet, like a, a medley, that'd be perfect. Yeah. And so, yeah, your first show back is the, the honeymoon rock fest. And then, uh, you don't have like a tour set up or you had to reschedule some UK dates or are you working on setting up a U.S. tour? We're working on the U S tour. We're supposed to be in like Europe and UK right now. And we, um, that was kind of a weird miscommunication or something because we had this promoter we were dealing with for about a year on this. And I mean, you know, he, he put everything together pretty quickly and it was great. And then all of a sudden he's like, I think that we should postpone because uh, COVID is really big over here right now. And um, I'm like, okay. And this was like last October. And then we, uh, I kind of kept in touch with him. I was like, Hey man, we're going to get flights. We're going to do this. What's going on. Oh, we'll, we'll just postpone Europe and then we'll just do the UK I'm like, well, we kind of want to do both. I don't think that it makes sense to do just one and not the other. And uh, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work. And then we announced that we weren't doing it. And then we were getting blown up on Facebook and stuff. People saying, everything's open over here. We don't know why you guys are not coming. And it's like, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, because that's the, the, what I heard is that they've they've opened up. A, like I know I just talked to a guy from Sweden, and he said there's no restrictions in Sweden. So I think they're opening up a lot of stuff over there. It seems like yeah, yeah. That's so we're gonna try to get back there. Hopefully by uh, maybe fall or something. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, so you got the you got the album, the streaming, the uh, touring. What about merchandise? Because that seems to be a big moneymaker for a lot of bands. I know cause you have the name recognition saliva. Have you ever thought of you trying to use that into like launching a nut, like putting it on a coffee or something like that? I know. Or like cool clothes. I noticed you guys have like really cool clothes. I'm like, I bet there'd be a lot of people that want to dress like saliva. Would you, you guys ever consider opening like a clothing brand or something? We have not, but we did, we did, we had a, um, we had launched, what was that we were doing a few years back or five years ago? Oh, uh, the, uh, the liquid, the, um, the vape, we, oh, we had the vape juice line that we were doing. Yeah. 
Um, and then we did, uh, we had someone reach out to us recently about doing a, uh, a bourbon. Ooh, yeah. And, and basically the guy, uh, he, he does like, he makes his own bourbon and stuff and barrels it. And he approached us, he, he was in, um, he was in Iraq for like four years deployed and stuff. And, and he said that, um, saliva was like the band that he just like loved saliva and you know all those songs click click boom that whole thing so somehow we met through a mutual friend actually the guy that does our merch Mm. um is the one that said hey man this guy wants to meet you wayne are you in the Uh, yeah (laughs) the guy was like uh um yeah he wants to meet you guys or whatever talk so i talked to him on the phone and just heard the story and he had this incredible story about how he would like um, the click, click, boom, got him through a bunch of stuff. He was a com going through combat missions. And it was, he said that, um, he just, he makes this bourbon and does, uh, does that. And he's like, man, I think it'd be cool to have like that story of like, you know, mixing saliva and like the military and we do like a bottle and it's got like the, you know, the American flag on it and this whole thing. And, um, I'm like, dude, yes, absolutely. You don't have to sell me on it. It sounds great. You know? Yeah. Um, so the, the fact that he was even interested in wanting and wanting, uh, to do that with us, with the, you know, with his whiskey that he barrels, I think it's awesome. No, I think you that's know? a really good idea. And you could also do like a, a non-alcoholic beer or so because you're not drinking anymore. Like, I feel like that's a, dude, that's a market okay. that. Well, cause like a non-alcoholic beer is so boring. Like it's just like, it's, there's like three different kinds. Like it'd be fun to, to do like a cool one or something that's something, you know, something that you'd actually want to drink. I don't know. Yeah. It's just an idea. But uh, anyways, uh, well, let's talk more about, uh, so I was going to ask you about burn season. Are you, are you still in that band? Technically, is that kind of like a side project? Uh, I mean, that, that was a band that I had a long time ago and yeah, it was a, it was a cool band, did a lot of, did some cool things, but it just, it never got off the ground, I guess. And, um, you know, it just didn't feel like it ever was going to. Yeah. But they gave you like a hundred thousand dollar advance, which, which is, I guess that's kind of a big deal, right? Like it was like, they gave you, it was like, there was a lot of potential, so what do you think happened? Like, why did that one not? Cause I listened to it too. And it sounds good. At that time though, it, those getting an advance like that was, that wasn't, that actually wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't. Really. Okay. That, uh, I mean, there were bands getting million dollar advances, you know, but you know, two, only two guys, only me and one other guy signed that, that contract. So right. yeah, that's how we got split it but um that that would four ways would have just been 25 each but right. you know given that amount of money to like 17 year old kids basically was uh out of right out of high school that was pretty awesome so and then we made the record with bob marlette who did all the saliva right first few so we learned a lot and um there's some cool songs on that record but i'm gonna tell you like those songs before what you hear, man, they were different songs. And and Bob really brought out the melodies and the lyrics and a lot of that stuff on on those songs. And he did the same for Saliva too, right? 
I would say so. Would you say Wayne? Yes. What? Yeah. Bob helps saliva a lot with oh man in, Bob, the, in the songwriting process. Bob is our Obi Wan. You know, he's the Jedi master when it comes to the saliva saliva technique. Do you have a producer on this one, or or somebody who's going to mix it or engineer it? Uh, we kind of just do the stuff ourselves, and then have mix. You know, we get it mixed. Um. That seems to be working well. We've we've talked with uh, some producers and stuff. It's just these days, man. It's just hard to you know right. spend spend money. Yeah, it's this is not the payoff because you got some of those producers are really expensive. Yeah, like, well, and they're good. I mean, it's but at the same time, it's. We just try to figure out what works for us. You know, when you got a guy like Bobby that can produce as well as those, you know, highly paid guys, we got a guy in house. I, well, so. nobody, <laughs> I appreciate you, Wayne. I'm not <laughs> the one thing. It's Michael behind us. That's producing right over there. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. No, He's that's producing. Stuff. Yeah. So yeah. And he's got a knife in his hand. So right. if you, you only get, you know, a couple of times to fuck up. Once you do, it's like, all right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Right. So you're producing, writing and singing. That's, that's a lot of, it's a lot of hats to wear and doing yeah, interviews. It's all done in this room, man. This is Imagine. the room it's done. In. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Oh, tell me this story too, though. Like I heard you talking about this, uh, uh, one of these other deals. This is crazy. I, I never knew this story, but you guys had some deal with the guy from Bacardi alcohol and he gave you this like crazy deal for a record. And then, and then he, then he bailed on you. And I was just like, what? This is like such a strange story that the guy from Bacardi, like alcohol started a record label and wanted to sign you guys. All right. So the story, so in those records, by the way, I'm, I'm trying to get put up on uh, Spotify and all okay. the streams rise up. So Hopefully that'll come soon. Um, but yeah, so it goes, this guy uh, reached out to our drummer and said, Hey, yeah, you know, um, Lewis Bacardi uh, hears that you guys, maybe you don't have a record label. Well, he just started one. And I think that Lewis was kind of one of those guys that, comes from a lot of monies in the Bacardi families, like the grandson of the dude that started Bacardi or whatever. And uh, so he's, you don't say no to him like on really anything. And he, he, he like he was like saying like, how much do you do? Do you want? Right. I mean, it was like, you could have, yeah. you should have maybe asked for more, right. You could have asked for. May, maybe actually, because when we, when we met with him for the first time, he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be near you guys tomorrow. And we were like, we're in like the middle of like Wisconsin. Wisconsin yeah. How are you going to be near us? Well, because he just lear jetted to where we were. Cause he, yeah. he wanted to meet us and he was a fan. He was a fan of the band. Yeah. And, um, so we met with him. It was Bruce Chris. I remember we, we, we met him in Madison. Was yeah. it Madison? There was a big, huge boat race there. And he had one of his race teams, one of his boats was in the race. So, yeah. Hmm. And uh, it was nice. We had a nice dinner out of it. I'll tell you that. And, and he looks at us and he says, uh, so what kind of deal are you guys looking for? And we all four looked at each other. We're like, 
I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> was, we, we didn't really, we didn't really know how to answer that question. Yeah. And then like, we, uh, we're like, well, let's just figure it out. Let's just have the lawyers talk and you guys can work it out. And so he sent over the first draft or whatever it was. And, you know, our eyes just got like, whoa, like, <laughs> is it for real? And then, yeah. And then it kind of turned into, uh, uh, you know, look, I mean, we're grateful for everything that, that he did. He did a lot for yeah. us. Like he gave us not just the money, but like, I mean, he bought us all new gear, dude. It was like, man, he said, whatever you want, you tell me, I went to guitar center and bought three Gibson acoustic guitars. Like, and he like, I, I called him and he did his credit card over the phone. Like, and I'm talking wow. like J 45s and a hummingbird. Like, so Remember he bought fractals. He bought his fractals. Fractal. I got six new guitars. Six new guitars, amps, drums. I mean, lights. He bought his whole lighting rig and 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 all like Martin, you know, movers and stuff. The thing is, though, is all that was great, but when it came time to do the record, um, to put the record out, it was like, hey, so what are we gonna do about the record release? He's like, oh, we're just we're just gonna do it all online. Was like, yeah, we got to have like distribution in place and like, yeah, physical copies and and you know, so there was the glorious side of things, and then there was just the side of like, yeah, it goes back to that you, you can't tell certain people no, like they'll do whatever, like he'll, he'll go start a, a damn hunting league if he wants, he'll go start a, a fucking bowling league, whatever. Yeah. You can't really. So he's like, I'm gonna start a label. I'm going to sign saliva. You know, that was his thing, but he just didn't have a whole lot of knowledge and didn't have the right. people behind, around him. Yeah. All the people around him were just people he'd known for 10 years, 20 years that just basically did whatever he said, you know, yes, right. sir, yes, all that stuff. So for us, it was, it was uh, unfortunate because we thought we made a great record and uh, it just, nobody ever got a chance to, yeah, you know, uh, get it and, and radio and all that stuff. It never really happened. Cause he, he, uh, you know, I don't know, man. It wasn't I, promoted I, I, properly is, is what I you're really saying. Have the, I yeah. guess what I'm doing is not going to say much more because it got, it got a little weird there at the end. And I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus, but it just, yeah. it just didn't work out, man. Yeah. So yeah. We, it's not like a miscommunication. Like he, he like thought you guys were mad and you weren't and whatever, but Anyways, water under the bridge. So right. uh, we learned we learned from it, man. Yeah. We learned from that shit. Like, okay, we're not gonna do that next time. And we're not gonna sign with an indie or whatever or someone, you know. So then we go and we sign a deal with Universal Music and then there you go. And we get fifty million streams and haven't seen a penny. So <laughs> <laughs> So you know, moral it, of the story is to just be independent at this point, right? Not have any record labels. If you can, if you can, I mean, you know. Some of these new artists get promised the world, man, but they got to sign their life away for it. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the truth. I mean, all these huge artists today, guarantee you, they're still signing bad deals, but they're like, "Look, you're going to be rich, you're going to be famous, we're going to put you everywhere, but we're going to make a shit ton of money off of yeah. you too." That's mm. the, that's the takeaway is they'll make you famous. Yeah, you'll be a household name. You're not going to be as rich as they make you look in those videos. Tell me this story. What the hell happened here? You lost in, in, uh, access to your Instagram for like three years. 
that sounds like a total nightmare. Was that somebody that you trust, like a manager or something that that stole your I password? Really call? I wouldn't really call her a manager. She was more like a fanager. That's what we call her, a fanager. Okay. Yeah, like just someone who swore they knew everything about the band, and and you know, just we're we're kind of in a situation right now. We're trying to handle with that though. So. Okay. But so, yeah, we got we got access to that back. You know, I'm not going to say the person's name. No, no, no. Don't. But I will tell you this, like we did actually um we had a song that we put out on Spotify. Well, we we didn't know that she was collecting on our behalf. And so she was collecting like <clears throat> the money. Oh shit. From it. Yeah, we had no idea. We fired her like <laughs> a year later. I like I remember reaching out to Megaforce and I'm like, "Hey, uh, it's weird because there's a lot of streams on this song, but we haven't seen anything." And she was like, "We didn't put that out." And I'm like, "Well, who did?" And then we we got to the bottom of it and we realized that, yeah. Oh, that's some and, scary and stuff. I, I don't want to tell you how much it was, but it was a good bit. Oh, yeah, that we lost. And so wait, like, did you know the song or you just, you never saw the money from the song being released? Never saw the money. She took it all. Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. It's weird because I talked to a lot of musicians. We got it. We we got, then we got the, uh, we got access to it back though. We got it removed from that. It was like, it was through, um, I think she did it through, um, TuneCore or something like that. Oh, I've never heard of that one. I think she went through like TuneCore. And then, yeah, and then just had the, the, it going to her. But yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing, man. You got to surround yourself with the right people. I guess so. Yeah. I hear, I hear more stories like that than not from musicians. So many people getting fucked over. It's sad. Yeah. But there's got to be some good people in the business too, for sure. Of course, man. Yeah, not everybody's evil, but I think it's I think it's just like the um what is their like what's the motive? It's the motive to really try and help the band and try to, you know, get the band to the, to another level or help succeed or is the motive to hmm, let me see how much money I can make off of their touring or whatever and just mm-hmm. blow smoke up their ass and tell them how great they are. Uh, like exploit is what you're saying that people are trying to do. Well, yeah, well, like just, or, or people, they'll just try to get close to you and just make you think everything's great. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. And then they don't. And then they just say, Oh, Hey, uh, that tour that you guys just did. Can you, can you give me my commissions for it? Like, well, what did you do? And though they, uh, this is always great. I always like this one. This is one she would do a lot. And she would be like, well, I'm, I'm like working directly with the agent and, and I'm doing social media stuff. I'm, I look at the social media stuff. I'm like, this is the worst fucking flyer I've ever seen in my entire life. And then uh, as far as the agent, I'm like, well, the agent's calling me to make sure I'm okay with everything anyway. So why do I really need you to deal with the agent when I could just deal with the agent? Right. Yeah. I hear a lot of stories like that too, where, yeah, sometimes you don't really need a manager, especially if they're taking 10 or 20% 
Sometimes it's easier to do that yourself. Yeah, I feel like if they're doing things for you and getting certain things for you, yeah, absolutely. Because that's, it's like, uh, you know, it should be incentivized, you know, mm-hmm. more incentive. Yeah. Whatever they bring to the table, and whatever they do for you is, is how they will make commissions. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause if they go out and get you these big festivals and you didn't know how to do that or didn't have the connections, then that's huge. Right. Yeah. That's right. big. Well, did you ever get, um, cause I know obviously you got this, the, you were in burn. What was it? What was the band called? Burn season. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So then, then you get the, it's crazy. You just get this call to join saliva. Have you ever had, or has Wayne ever had any other like crazy offers to join other bands that didn't pan out? Um, I mean, there's a couple that happened that I just, I don't know that I can really talk about or should talk about because yeah. this will end up on Blabbermouth or something. Right. So there was another band. I will tell you, there was another band, Jacksonville based band. They went through some breakup stuff and um, it's not Limp Biscuit, and it's not Skinner or Cold. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, it's not those bands, but it's a band. And they were like replacing some members and I got a call about doing some drums on on the record. Okay. On the re- on because they were recording here, mm-hmm. and I got a call about doing some drums from the producer. And uh, I was friends with some of the guys in the band, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." And and he was. I remember he was saying, "Yeah, Bobby, man, you know, I just really like your drumming and." Uh, you know, th- this could be a, this could probably land you the gig in the band. And I'm like, dude, I'm friends with these guys. You, you're you a fucking terrible person. Like, why are you going behind these guys' backs to try to replace their shit on the record? You know, it just wasn't, it was not, not cool in my opinion. So uh, there's only a handful few of people that know about this kind of hmm. that happened within, within that band. But um. Damn, you know, that's that was a, just that's a cool incident. story. Maybe you could tell me off the record who it was, but that that's it. yeah, I, I will. Okay, and then, and then there was another. Um, I almost had an audition with another band uh, to play drums for. Um, the drummer was going to do some other. He was doing some other gigs, and and someone in the band that kind of ran the band didn't like that he was doing other gigs and wanted him to be. Um, you know, just, just in that band full time, mm. but they weren't touring full time and he wasn't on retainer. That was the thing. It was like, well, I'm not uh, on retainer. So if you put me on retainer, then I, I won't play in these other bands. So then they put him on retainer. So, okay. Gotcha. Well, that's- there was almost a switch there because the guitar player in that band at the time lived in Jacksonville and um, he had reached out to me and we, he and I actually got together and, uh, and jammed. Okay. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories like that that like you just you never hear about till five, ten, twenty years later, and then it's like, whoa, what? Like this person almost was in this band, yeah. and there's crazy stuff like that. I like hearing those kinds of stories. But um, yeah, you posted something on your uh, Facebook the other day about your top five Seattle bands. I noticed uh, you didn't have Pearl Jam in the top five, so uh, I just wondered too if you saw like 
that that whole like spat with Motley Crue and Pearl Jam. Like Eddie Vedder said he hated Motley Crue, and then Nikki Six yeah. called him a boring band. Like, would they have made your top ten of Seattle bands, or do you think they're boring? I, I, I think so. So for me, and and that was just the grunge era. That that's that's what I listed. I mean, I could have listed Heart and like Queensrÿche and a lot of other Seattle Jimi bands Hendrix. that I thought were cool. Yeah. But um, you know, I would say just from from that. I had seen that beef going on and I, I thought that it was unprofessional from Eddie Vedder's perspective because it's like, why even when he did the jab at Tommy, when he was talking to Chad about the, the when he Chad was Smith was about to do a drum solo when that video came uh-huh. out. Yeah. And then he said, yeah, we don't need our drums to turn over like, you know, a Ferris wheel or whatever he said. I don't know, but um, taking the jab at uh, Tommy's theatrics, which I thought, wait, isn't your beef with Nikki six? Like, why don't you just like, you know, make fun of, you know, his bass being on tracks or something. Not, not, uh, not Tommy's drums. Is his bass on tracks? I don't know. I'm just saying, I mean, if if you were going to make fun at somebody, right. Why poke it at uh, Nikki, not at Tommy. Well, I think he just, it sounds like he just doesn't like Motley Crue for whatever reason, which is like, it's weird that that's coming out now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's probably obviously hated him for a while, but it's weird that it just all of a sudden came out in an interview. None of those bands in Seattle probably ever liked Motley Crue. I mean, it was probably everything that they mm-hmm. were trying to avoid and they were against, you know, it's, it's crazy because all those Seattle bands never thought they were going to be on MTV or sell millions of records because when they were doing their thing, bands like Motley Crue were on MTV and selling millions of records. So how that just shifted and changed. And I think that's what makes that Seattle scene so great. And so um, just empowering in rock music, you know, in history, because dude, those bands like Alice in Chains for me is like my favorite mm-hmm. Seattle band. That was one on your list. Yeah. Yeah, and I love Soundgarden. I love Chris Cornell. Yes. Like, you could just... Chris Cornell could literally sing fucking Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake, and I'm totally cool with it, you know? Which even... You know, that song's actually pretty rad by Justin anyway, but... I mean, he just saying he could... You know, Chris Cornell for me was was definitely high up. Yeah. Well, and, I thought uh, it was cool that you had Candlebox at four. I had Kevin Martin on the show. I'm a Candlebox fan. I feel like they kind of got a raw yeah. deal, and I talked to Kevin me about too. that, how it was like... Dude, how come you guys never got the respect? And he he said there was a lot of people in Seattle that hated them. They thought they were like, you know, they had too much success too quickly. They didn't deserve it. I think they just wrote some great fucking songs. That's what it was. I mean, and, and you know, it's funny because we did some shows with Candlebox when I first got in the band. And uh, I was always a huge Candlebox fan. And me and Kevin became friends. And he and I did some acoustic shows. He'd never done acoustic shows before. Mm. Like, and then I, I called him one day and said, Hey man, I got these show offers. You should do them with me. I can, you know, get you paid and we'll go do these shows. And he and I, here's he and I in an SUV in Michigan and like the fucking snow. And we did like four acoustic shows together and it was awesome, dude. And I, I, I got to like, hang with him. And dude, he told me some of the greatest stories, man, like some really cool stories, like with him hanging with Henry Rollins back when they first started, tell me some old stories about like when they were on tour with Metallica in the early day and playing Woodstock. And he's just very, very knowledgeable, very smart guy. And, and just very down to earth. Uh, 
you know, humble dude and has fucking pipes. Like, dude, he's one of the fucking best singers, man. Yeah, no, you know? I agree with and all he that. Still can sing like that. Absolutely. Hey, so, so Kevin Martin is like, I mean, he, he would be a he. The, I would probably consider him third on that list that I I put, except for I feel like Nirvana just kind of busted through the doors and they they really made it all possible for all the other bands. Absolutely, so, yeah. I mean, whether but, love them or hate them, favorite. Yeah, love them or hate them, though they they definitely were original and they changed the landscape of the whole music yes. scene for sure. Like Dude, even more songs, so than Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Yeah. But those songs you hear the, those Nirvana tunes on that Nevermind record in particular, it's like the fucking universe just lined up man for them in that month of making that record or writing those songs, whatever happened. Like, cause you think about how great those songs, listen to the record before that. And you're like, okay, it's all right. You know, there's a one or two great songs, but when you listen to Nevermind, dude, you're like territorial pissing. Dude, I'm like going nuts to all of it. It's just song after song after song on that record is is just brilliant. So dude, it's just it's just it aligned uh, it aligned for them. Absolutely very, very magic, magical moments and that shit. It's crazy to think Dave Grohl's just like the drummer of that band. Like he's not even the front yeah. man or guitar player or, or main songwriter or anything. So but dude, he wrote those fucking songs too, because you listen to a lot of those drum grooves and those drum fills. They make those songs, dude. They really do. Like smells like teen spirit. Yeah. You hear the clean riff, which is great, but what do you do? You air drum that intro going in. That's a, a very hooky that the drums in that song are, are super, uh, you know, catchy mm -hmm. you know what i mean any other drummer could have fucked that up yeah you know no he's great would you that'd be cool yeah. like saliva and foo fighters have you ever played with them before no dude they're too big and we're too small like you can't you could uh, open for them right the, we're still too small man like they're too big like foo fighters is they you know i fucking love foo fighters man they 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 never they never miss when they put out a record too. It's, it's, it's good. And I love that Dave Grohl sticks to the rock and roll roots and, and just, you know, does this, does his thing. I got a lot of respect for somebody like him who's able to overcome what he was in before with Nirvana and is the you know, his front man singer committing suicide only after like three years of him being in the band and then being like the biggest rock band in the world to just a year later going out and doing the Foo Fighters and has been doing it ever since. I mean, that and not stopping. That's fucking dude. That's, that's good. That's good stuff, man. It's dude, crazy. Like, yeah. Only one could dream to have that. Right. Because the bass player, what happened to him? Like he kind of like went off the map, which I'm sure if he wanted to like join a big band or start a big band, I'm sure that he'd have tons of offers, but it's almost like he did that on like his own preference. Well, his best friend shot himself and, you know, they think about those few years they had, how big they got. I don't, I think Chris Novoselic was probably one of the main ones who never wanted to be that big. Yeah. They would say that Kurt always felt that way, but I think a part of Kurt really did want to do, want to be a fucking big rock star just so he could prove all the 
the hairs and or whatever it was childhood and 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 all that you know but i don't think he liked the hokey stuff like the fucking interviews and the mm. hey what shirt did you wear yesterday <laughs> those stupid questions you know i don't think that was but that was probably always him even as a teenager you know he probably someone would ask him some stupid question and he probably had the same reaction right you know and, and i think maybe maybe chris was didn't want the limelight and he thought he was hey man we're just fucking high school friends playing in our garage next thing you know they're on saturday night live and biggest rock band in the world i mean that's a that's and how quickly that happened yeah no definitely yeah they went from like tiny little local indie band to giant huge like you said and that's the power of MTV and the power of radio, what radio was. Like, it used to be, yeah. I was just talking to our managers about this yesterday, talking, uh, um, because they were bringing up like Lincoln Park, like the radio guy that was on the phone worked like that Lincoln Park first, the first record, Hybrid Theory. And, and we were talking about like somehow it got brought up, um, them playing in front of like in a small club in the front of like nobody. And, you know, it was just, they couldn't get anybody into the band and then look what happened, you know, that they blew up. And I told them, I was like, man, I remember seeing Papa Roach and and maybe it was 2000. I don't remember exactly, but this was back when, you know, you would get the sampler CDs. Like they yeah. had like two songs on it. That was like the big deal. And these bands had street teams and shit. And um, I saw Papa Roach play here in Jacksonville and they uh, opened for the big local band here. Hmm. No, I'm sorry. They played after the big local band. Yeah. So the local band played, there was like maybe a hundred people, 150 people. When the band was done, Papa Roach went on. There was maybe 10 people there, 10, 15 people at most. It was, wow. it was dead, but it was like a Tuesday night or whatever. And I remember I got that sample CD and it had last resort on it. And it had another song on it. I don't remember what the other song was, but. I remember listening to that last resort and I probably played that shit like 30 million times. Cause I was like, this song is front to back, just badass and so good. It's very anthem and just, it, it just connected with me, you know, two months later they were back in Jacksonville headlining, playing at plush 2000 people sold out. That's how fast they blew up. So last resort, when I saw them, I don't think it was out yet. I think they were just like getting their feet wet and doing some touring or whatever. And then they, uh, that song comes out and it's like overnight, but that was the power of MTV and, and how radio would work. It's, it was like bands could become that overnight thing. So going back to Nirvana is what I was, was getting at was Nirvana was another one of those bands that, you know, smells like Team Spirit came out. Like they, nobody thought it was going to do anything, and then boom, MTV changed the game. Yeah, it's crazy. We don't really have anything like that now. I mean, in the way, it's good because yeah. you can make your own record independently and it can sound great. But then, yeah, there's no. I mean, you can you can put it everywhere. It could be on YouTube, Spotify. You can put it on Instagram, all this stuff. But it's like, how do you stand out? There's no like one power that has the most. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I can tell you what it is, is there's no mystique in rock and roll anymore. MTV actually still brought that mystique because 
you know, you'd see like the STP video or something and be like, fuck, I love Stone Temple Pilots. And then it's like, oh, yeah, coming up after the break, MTV interview, Kurt Loder interviews Scott Weiland from STP or whatever. You go and you watch that interview and they're like, that's real shit. Like, wait, that's him? Wait, he's a real guy. Wow, that's really cool. You know, you just didn't really. Yeah. The mystique, the mystique though, used to be there, man. Like, you know, as a fan of, of a band like that, you would do anything to shake his hand or get close to him or whatever. And and then it now, you know, you could find out where, you know, Dave Grohl's grandmother's cousin lives, you know, <laughs> on Zillow or right. you can find her address. It's just, there's no mystique in, in that. And, and the privacy is just kind of out the window. So it almost makes these people much more accessible you know, and, and that's, it's sad, man. Cause it's, I always thought rock and roll was supposed to have that mystique, you know, the Jim Morrison's and the, of the world and that whole, that thing. But. Right. Like when they would do an interview, it was like, it was a big deal. It was like Kurt it was Loder. Deal. It wasn't some shitty podcaster like me. It was like these real, like MTV, well, like, you know, heavyweights. And that was like, it was, it was cool. It's like, it is, it's like an interesting time right now. Yeah. Cause I, and in some ways it's cool, but then other ways, yeah, I see what you're saying about the mystique. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's gone. Like that, that's never coming back unless, you know, the fucking internet blows up and we don't have Facebook and phones anymore, but I just don't, I don't see that ever being the case. I think it's just going to continue to, um, you know, people find more and more and more things about you and what, and, and what you, what you ate today and what, <laughs> you know, what color your, your urine was, you know? <laughs> right. Now everything's on, it's on, if it's not in an interview, it's on Instagram or it's on Facebook or yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, but then you can also take advantage of that stuff too, with the accessibility with the cameos and the meet and I know you guys Dude, are doing meet and greets, right? I, yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never been against it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not one to say that social media is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing for people, for independent artists to get known and, and to, to like put your stuff out there, you know, it, it's good for, for that, that it's the platform, but there's also a lot of other fucking people on these platforms that shouldn't, shouldn't have access to that platform. You know what I mean? There's, that's, that's the unfortunate thing is there's a lot more bad than there is good. It floods the market. Yeah. 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 It really does. It's hard. It's hard to, cause yeah. there's a lot of people say like, Oh, there's no new good music. And I'm like, Oh, there is good music. You just can't find it. You have to like, swim through all the shit to, to get to the good stuff. And, uh, but then there is good stuff out there. It's just being able to single it out. It's, it's harder to do that now. Yeah. Yep. Well, what do you do? You just, you got to listen to my podcast and listen to all the great bands yeah. I interview and stuff like that. Go to concerts and, uh, yeah, good on those uh, Spotify playlists and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's fun. And having these conversations, it's been, it's been a blast. So I'll let you get back to the, uh, I know you're going kind of dark there. So I'll let you get back to the recording stuff. I always end with a charity. Is there a charity that you want to give a shout out to though, or, um, one that you've worked with in the past? Charity. Oh yeah. Music cares is a good one, man. Okay. Um, you know, in, in any, anything to do with like, uh, you know, mental illness and, and suicide prevention and things like that. Like I, my, you know, history of 
uh, family, you know, have battled depression and battled, you know, that stuff. And, you know, I've never met grandparents because they, you know, took their own lives and stuff as well. And oh, that's sad. So, but you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's real and, and nobody knows you don't walk in the person's shoes. I, you know, I don't walk in your shoes and, uh, you know, or the person down the street, nobody knows what they're going through. And just, I, I just firmly believe that we just have to be better humans to people, man, and just be, be good to people. And, and, uh, you, cause you don't know what somebody's going through. Uh, so it's important for me and, you know, I have my, my son's 14 and, uh, my daughter's 10 and, you know, they're at those ages where, you know, you're in school. It's like you, you be respectful to kids and you, you, uh, you know, do the right thing and be a good, be a good human, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, your son is a really talented artist. Like you posted something. The other day. He really painted that picture that you posted the other day, right? Yeah. And, and his teacher said it could be better. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause I thought, I almost thought I was like, at first I was like, is this a joke? Like, is this just, he just Dude. took, you took like a really, like really good picture. And then you, your son, yeah. like, oh, look, I painted this. Cause it was like, it was almost too good. So that's funny that his teacher yeah. said it could be better. I, I suck at art. That's I, why I, I'm so fascinated by me, it. When me, I, too. me too. I'm yeah. terrible. I can't draw shit, but, but I actually screenshot that with, you know, the comments and everything. And I, I sent it to him and I said, Hey, show this to your teacher. Look, I get it. He goes to art school and they're very, uh, just extremely hard, hardcore there, man. And, and so I just always encourage him, look, man, just keep doing your thing. And, and, uh, you know, that's what art is all about is people expressing themselves. It's like, you can, you and three other people can draw a sky and it's going to be completely different, you know? So just do what you think looks cool and, you know, try to take direction from the teacher. And if she doesn't give direction, then whatever, you know, we'll, we'll figure that part out, but just, um, but yeah, yeah. He, he's into the art thing, man. So it's, it's going good. That's really cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, thank, thanks to uh, Wayne too. I know he had to hit the jet, but I'll, I'll let you guys get back to recording and stuff. So, uh, I look forward to new album yeah, and uh, tour by kitchen because my, my charger, somebody took the charger out of my studio. So, Okay. It's all good. But, yeah. We got Wayne, some good stuff bye. here. <laughs> See you, Wayne. Say bye. It was uh, Chuck from the podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Later. Later. All right. Good See talk. ya. Yeah. He's, he's deaf. He couldn't, he couldn't hear up there anyway. That's fine. Yeah. It's, it's all good. Uh, I think we got some good stuff here. And so, uh, like I said, I'll look forward to a new album and uh, hopefully see you guys live someday. Cool, man. All right, buddy. Thanks, Chuck. All right. See you later. See ya. A lot of great stories from Bobby and Wayne of Saliva. Fun band, and I look forward to seeing them live and a new album. So make sure to follow them on social media. Check out their website for an up-to-date uh, tour schedule. And I hope you enjoyed this interview and are patient with some of the technical issues. I continue to try and make the show better and better with every episode. So please make sure to subscribe to the show or follow us on social media so that you'll be notified of new episodes. I've got some big ones coming up and I'll continue to branch out. We're going to do some non-music episodes as well. And for those that already follow me and subscribe to the show, it means the world to me and I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.